Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Cara Lynn, and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. This week on the podcast, you talk a lot about a dysregulated hypothalamus. How does someone know if they have that? If you don't remember your dreams when you wake up, your hypothalamus is not functioning properly. Does the hypothalamus, let's say, worsen as you age? Like, is this a bigger problem for those going through perimenopause or menopause? Change of life is an age-related hypothalamic dysfunction, a lowering of function of the hypothalamus. Deborah Marangapolo is an intuitive, integrative family nurse practitioner who has spent over 30 years blending the science of medicine with the art of healing to help thousands of people heal their hypothalamus and thrive. She is the author of several books, including her latest, The Hypothalamus Handbook, which outlines the steps people can take to start healing their hypothalamus on their own. Known as the Hormone Queen, she's made it her mission to help everyone balance their hormones and live optimally, no matter their age. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today, I am really excited for our guest. So Deborah talks a lot on social media about the hypothalamus, and this is a really important part to our health, but not very many people talk about it. And so I am so excited to bring an expert on to talk about this today. So thank you so much, Deborah, for being here today. Thank you for having me. Before we begin and delve into this topic, will you tell me just a little bit about yourself, your background, what intrigued you to be the hypothalamus expert? Okay. My name is Deborah Margopoulos, and I'm an intuitive integrative family nurse practitioner. So I have a master's degree in nursing. I'm an advanced practice nurse. I have my own practice, uh, an integrative health practice that I've had since 1997. And I actually got into the hypothalamus when I started my integrative health practice. Not that I didn't know about it. We all learn about it in our medical training and our nursing training in anatomy and physiology. But because you can't really measure what's going on with the hypothalamus via blood or anything, Thing, we don't really pay much attention to it. But it was when I started my integrative practice and really wanted to dive into neuroimmune endocrinology. Those three specialties are separated in medicine into neurology, immunology, and endocrinology. But I was trying to put it together because that's what I was seeing in my patients. They were you know, sick all the time. They were gaining weight. They had no energy. They were depressed. They, their adrenals weren't functioning, their sex hormones weren't functioning, their thyroids weren't functioning, they were insulin resistant. And so I was getting this barrage of patients, not that I didn't ask for it. I told the universe, I want to learn about this. So sure enough, I got all these patients, train wrecks, we call them in medicine. They were coming from all around the world, some of them in bus loads. I had learning disabled children. I mean, it was crazy what I was seeing. And I was giving them natural supplements, foods, changing their lifestyle to replace what they were taking synthetically. So to replace drugs and things like that. And it was working, but the amount of stuff I was giving them was horrendous. I couldn't do it. It was too much. Interesting. Yeah. So I decided I need to find the root of this issue. And I got a Scientific America you know, magazine in my office, you know, these are the days where you get like real magazines. This is the late nineties. <laughs> and I got this real magazine and they were doing a study on fat white mice and they had all the symptoms my patients had. And then they sacrificed the mice and found that 
the there was a hormone that the hypothalamus makes pro-opiomelanocortin that was not functioning properly and it was affecting mm. all of these down players thyroid adrenal stress reaction weight glucose control sleep it was amazing and i'm like oh my gosh i need to focus on the hypothalamus so that's where my research began i was looking for one thing that would fix it all but it ended up being a meld of different things i could do lifestyle as well as a nutraceutical i came up with so interesting. I have so many questions to ask you. And I know most people probably know that the hypothalamus is part of the brain, but that might be the only little info they know about it or that they learned about it in high school or college, but don't know much about it. So let's just start at the basics. What is the hypothalamus? So the hypothalamus is a tiny organ about the size of an almond in a shell. It's located directly between your brows. If you went into the center of your brain, it'd be right there. So what we would call that, that six chakra area. It's right above the pituitary gland and it's below the rest of the brain. It's the only part of the brain that is not protected by the blood-brain barrier. So it's exposed to everything you're exposed to, all the toxins, all the viruses, the bacteria, but also nutrition or lack of nutrition. So everything oh. the hypothalamus is picking up, it picks up measurements in your blood, all the hormones your body makes, even those hormones from your gastrointestinal tract are picked up through the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus controls your neurological system via the autonomic nervous system. That's the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. So it controls your heart rate, your blood pressure, your respiration, your vagal response, everything related to autonomic nervous system, everything you don't think about, okay? And that just okay. your body just does for you. And it is the master controller of all of your hormones. So we're talking about your pineal gland that produces melatonin, your pituitary gland that releases growth hormone, your um, thyroid, your adrenal glands, your gonads, either testes or ovaries. It also controls your immune system by directly modulating the thymus, which is an endocrine gland just above your heart that actually programs T cells so that your T cells know the difference between you and other. So there really isn't much that the hypothalamus doesn't control. Wow, that is really interesting because that is like a really important part of our body, but yet a lot of us don't know much about it. So that's really crazy to me. So you talk a lot about a dysregulated hypothalamus. How does someone know if they have that? So hypothalamus dysfunction basically comes in symptoms that oftentimes are diagnosed as other things. So you can't control your temperature. The hypothalamus controls the temperature. So you may be getting hot flashes. You're cold all the time. You're getting night sweats. You're just not regulating to the environment. You can't control your weight. Either you can't gain weight or you can't lose weight. Your metabolism is slow, so you're tired all the time. Your circadian rhythms are messed up, so you have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep. You may have issues with your hormones. So your adrenal hormones are off. You either produce too little or too much cortisol. You're infertile. You don't get periods as a woman. You're infertile as a man or impotent. You're not producing enough sex steroids. Your thyroid is off. There's definitely a miscommunication between thyroid stimulating hormone and T4 and T3. And that's one of the classic things we can look at that no one pays attention to. It's called central hypothyroidism. And your immune system's off. So you're catching colds all the time. You're very vulnerable to cancers. You have autoimmune condition or you're hypersensitive. You got food sensitivities, allergies. So your immune system is either overreacting or underreacting. 
And neurologically, you may have symptoms. One of the symptoms that is very commonly known now because of COVID is POTS, and that's a postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. So what that basically means is when you change positions, your heart rate races, that's hypothalamic damage. That's exactly what we're seeing. So one of the things about COVID is it allowed us to look into the hypothalamus a little more greatly because the long COVID symptoms are all hypothalamic dysfunction. Wow. So interesting. Okay. So all of those symptoms you talked about are things that most Americans deal with. Someone's dealing with, you know, the hormones and the adrenals and infertility or all these things you're talking about. So why in the world do we not talk about the hypothalamus more? Why are doctors not treating this or people saying what you need to take to help it? Well, it's not anybody's fault. It's kind of a institutional or administrative kind of thing. The problem is, is in medicine, and when, and I'm talking whether we're practicing functional medicine, you know, conventional medicine. Number one, we don't have enough time to take a really thorough history and do and really act as a medical detective to figure this out. Number two, most of our treatments are based downstream. So I'm going to treat a symptom. You have allergies. I give you an antihistamine, whether that be a natural like quercetin, or I give you, you know, an over-the-counter antihistamine. So the problem is we're treating downstream instead of upstream, you know, and it makes sense from an engineering point of view. If I can just fix the issue upstream, then we're not going to have these downstream issues. So my goal is to focus upstream. And what I found in 30 plus years of practice that you have to take a really thorough history. You have to get to know your patient. It's really slow medicine where you really get to know your patient. And then you kind of get a gist of what's going on because there's not a lot of hard laboratory tests that you can look at to see hypothalamic dysfunction. You got to put a lot of things together. Kind of like, like a field biologist looking for a mountain lion, but it's not going to see the mountain lion, but it might find scat and be able to find all kinds of information about the mountain lion's droppings about the mountain lion, right? That's how this medical detective thing works. We can't really see what's going on in the hypothalamus, but we could see through all the other endocrine glands, changes in their body type, their form, their composition, their skin, the way they're reacting. I can often determine it just by a narrative, by somebody writing down everything that's happened to them when they think things started. And oftentimes it was way earlier than they believe it started. And I could see they started having hypothalamic dysfunction. So interesting. Okay. You talked a lot about different health issues that this can affect. So could we talk about some of those and how the hypothalamus is affecting them? So let's first talk about weight issues. You said it could be hard to lose weight or to gain weight. So how is this affecting our weight? So your hypothalamus actually controls your appetite and your satiety. So whether you've you know eaten enough, it's in direct communication with your fat cells via leptin, and it's in direct communication with your gut microbiome. So it controls the hormones that are actually releasing the whole digestive process. And the reason that it does that, it's a basic survival. It needs those nutrients in, to function. So it's telling you, I need more you know, glucose, I need more fat, I need more protein for amino acids. And so you're being driven and craving what you need if the hypothalamus is functioning properly. It's all about communication, or in the case of dysfunction, miscommunication. So it also controls your metabolism at the cellular level. So how fast your mitochondria actually burn energy. And it does that directly. And it also does that through the thyroid, actually orchestrating T3 activity at the cellular level. So it's controlling metabolism, how much fat you're laying down, whether you're digesting, absorbing your nutrients, what foods you're eating. And if that's off balance, and we know all this because there's certain genetic syndromes where it's completely off balance, something like Prader-Willis syndrome, where genetically you can't stop eating. And these people are ginormous. 
they cannot Hmm. stop eating. And it's a hypothalamic dysfunction. Classic. Interesting. Okay. So I know my listeners are thinking, all right, how in the world do I fix or help a dysregulated hypothalamus? Like I don't want this extra weight gain or I want a faster metabolism, you know? Or I want to get pregnant and I don't want to be on thyroid hormone for the rest of my life. And I don't want to be stressed out. I mean, it affects so many things. So I've developed five pillars of how to treat the hypothalamus, which the hypothalamus is very, very amenable to. Number one is nutrition. So my basic recipe is the Mediterranean diet. It's a plant-based diet. It provides good monounsaturated fats. It gives you enough protein. There's not a lot of simple sugars and starches in it. So that's the basic pyramid of the diet. And I actually developed something I called my DMAR nutritional path to healing based on the Mediterranean diet to try to help people figure out for my body type, my weight, my level of activity. How many carbs do I need? How much protein do I need? How much fat do I need? Because we like numbers, you know, we want to figure things out in numbers. So it's the Mediterranean diet, but kind of on steroids because you get more information from it. So that's number one. Number two is you got to be active. People who are sedentary have a sluggish hypothalamus because the whole body is saying, I don't need any more energy produced Mm. because I'm not moving. So activity is huge and activity at the right time of day Your hypothalamus controls your circadian rhythms day, night. So you want to be active in the daytime. Morning time is best, but not late at night because that actually stimulates adrenaline and cortisol, which is the opposite of the nocturnal hormones. So activity is super important to the hypothalamus. The other factor is sleep. Are you getting adequate sleep? And this is a chicken or the egg thing because if your hypothalamus is dysfunctional, you won't sleep well. But if you don't Mm. sleep well, you won't heal your hypothalamus. So you need to start setting up really good sleep hygiene. And most of us don't have really good sleep habits. So I let, you know, turn off those devices after dusk because they're just pumping out blue light. And that's actually telling your hypothalamus it's still daytime. Make sure your room's completely dark. Have a good sleep habits where you start telling your hypothalamus it's time to sleep. You know, take your warm bath, spray your lavender, get in your jammies, start reading a book. That all triggers the hypothalamus to start to go into nocturnal mode. And then the fourth thing is mindset. Hmm. So I have had patients who I've given them all the best bioidenticals. They're in the perfect diet. They're exercising. We've gotten them to sleep, but they don't believe they can heal. Interesting. And so their mindset is huge. And what I find is once we nutraceutically support their hypothalamus, it starts to shift and they start to kind of uncover some of those subconscious beliefs that are kind of interfering with their healing. I've actually had patients come to me and, you know, hold up my Genesis Gold and say, I think this is therapy in a bag because I'm having all these dreams and these realizations that I was in all these poor relationships or something from my childhood and stuff that I tried to counsel them for a long time, but it just wasn't in their awareness until their hypothalamus. And that's one of the things that the hypothalamus does that, that science is just discovering. It controls, it's a gateway to your subconscious. So your ability to deeply dream is, is a hypothalamic function. Oh, so if people can't deeply dream, that could be a sign. We're all dreaming. So you can see the REM sleep. But if you don't remember your dreams, when you wake up, your hypothalamus is not functioning properly. Now, the reason for that is the hypothalamus actually produces dopamine, which shuts off prolactin. And it's prolactin that actually deepens the dream state and also stimulates your immune function. So that's a hypothalamic hormone. And then it produces dopamine to shut it off first thing in the morning. So if you're still under the influence of prolactin because you're not producing enough dopamine to shut it down, then you don't remember anything. It's like you're sleepwalking. 
this is the people that has to have like two, three cups of coffee just to get going. They don't get started really. They're not morning people. They're not producing dopamine first thing in the morning. And the hypothalamus produces the most dopamine of the entire brain. Wow. I wish I had known this earlier. Just last week, I was at a dinner with people and they were talking about dreams and half the people were like, oh, I can't ever remember a dream. And others were like, oh, I remember exactly everything. I could write a movie script after, you know, I wake up in the morning. So that is so interesting. I didn't know this was the reason. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. And I do find that once it gets balanced, people start remembering their dreams. And some of it's kind of yucky because you're going through stuff. You know, it's like, it's like, therapy per se. And some of it's really great. Some people have trouble remembering because once they wake up, they know they've dreamt that they can't get all the details. So I usually recommend that you keep like a little dream journal and you write down whatever you're feeling when you wake up in colors and whatever came in at that time. And that kind of stimulates that memory. I did it Hmm. with my husband. He'd been on taking my Genesis Gold for a while and he was dreaming, but he'd wake up and said, gosh, I lost it. I'm like, okay, how do you feel? What do do you see? And I kept quizzing him until he could pull it up. Now his dreams are like movie scripts. In fact, he started flying in his dreams and he's super excited. I'm going to go to sleep tonight. Uh, I'm going to fly in my dreams. <laughs> oh, that, that's hilarious. Okay. So you have four pillars you talked about. So nutrition and exercising and sleep. And mindset. The fifth one is the nutraceutical. Tell us about that. Well, this, and this falls into your just ingredients, right? <laughs> There actually has been some really good research to show that the hypothalamus is very, very sensitive to amino acids, polyunsaturated fatty acids, and botanicals, especially those derived from the sea, sea vegetation. But it's very sensitive to certain botanicals. And so when I was starting to try to figure out what can I feed my patients that they're not getting from their diet that would actually help to heal the hypothalamus. And I thought it would be one thing. And I was studying the amino acids related to pro-opiomolanocort and the kind of the major ones. It's a huge molecule. It's like 256 amino acids, but the major ones. And I couldn't find the answer. My firstborn child was born intersex, which is how I got interested in hormones in the first place back in 1984, that child told me, why don't you just meditate about this mom and see what comes in dreams? I've always been a lucid dreamer. And I literally dreamt the same dream every night for three months. And I'd wake up in the morning and ask what I was seeing in the dream. And in the dream, I was standing like by the tree of life. I had a chalice in my hand. There was a liquid in it. And my worst patients would drink from it. And I knew they were better. We never spoke. And then I'd ask what was in the cup. Mm. And all these ingredients started coming in. (laughs) I mean, some of them were chemical equations. Some of them were in a different language. I had to have it translated. And then I just started experimenting with it, putting it together. And I ran, you know, in-house clinical studies and then I created my product. (laughs) Okay. So your product is the Genesis Gold. Yes. Genesis Gold. And so that's what people take like on a daily basis to help heal their hypothalamus. Yeah, it's a powder. So at the core, Genesis Gold are amino acids. The amino acids that are put together in a certain blend, like a recipe, we're all made of amino acids, but the amino and the same amino acids, but your amino acid blend and a frog's amino acid blend is a little bit different. Okay. So this particular blend is specific for the hypothalamus. And so that's at the core and surrounding that is the sea vegetation we talked about. And then the botanicals, a lot of the other stuff that I was giving the patients in terms of adaptogens and different herbals that actually help to enhance receptor site activity for hormones and neurotransmitters are in the Genesis Gold. There's digestive supports, 
there's absorption supports, there's detoxification support. So it's basically giving the hypothalamus everything it needs to function properly. And then the healing occurs. It's not fast though. It takes about 90 days to really see the hypothalamus start to optimize. And that's because it's a process. You got to detox first, you clean house before you start the rejuvenation process and those hormones get in balance and the neurotransmitters. People feel more energy. They'll sleep better at first, but to really see those blood changes, it takes at least 90 days. And then if you've been sick for years, let's say you've been sick for 20 years, about one month per year on top of that. And the reason for that is just take, it's a long healing process because there's a lot of damage yeah. internally that you probably don't even know about. Let's take a quick break to hear from our show sponsor. Summer, or actually any holiday season, is such a delightful time, isn't it? A chance to take a break from the daily grind and enjoy life to the fullest. However, all the fun aside, we often find ourselves taking a break from our health routine too. Late nights, irregular eating habits, and indulgence becomes the norm. But when the vacation season winds down, it's time to get back on track with our health. Although it may not be easy, it's essential for our well-being. If you struggle to return to your health routine, I have a valuable lesson to share. Focus on majors. Prioritize healthy eating, exercise, and above all, quality sleep. Just one interesting fact about sleep to mention. Drinking more than two servings of alcohol per day for men and more than one serving per day for women can decrease sleep quality by 39.2%. Sleep Foundation survey reports not even mentioning all the indulgent food and late night effects. And sleep is the key to your body's rejuvenation and repair process. It controls hunger and weight loss hormones, boosts energy levels, and impacts countless other vital functions. Good night sleep will improve your well-being much more than anything else. Sleep is your major to focus on. That's why I recommend you start taking magnesium daily but not any supplement. Get Magnesium Breakthrough by Bio-Optimizers. Magnesium Breakthrough contains all seven forms of magnesium designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. The sleep benefits are truly remarkable, and once your sleep is optimized, you'll find it much easier to tackle all the other major aspects of your health. Trust me, it's a game changer. Visit magbreakthrough.com backslash ingredients and enter code just ingredients one zero again that's just ingredients 10 for 10 percent off any order this special offer is only available at magbreakthrough.com backslash just ingredients now back to the show okay i love all of these ways to help heal and balance the hypothalamus but i know the hypothalamus affects a lot of different other health issues that we didn't talk about that people might be surprised about and so Let's first start off with like PCOS and infertility. How does it affect that? So the hypothalamus controls what's called gonadotropin releasing hormone, which is your main hormone that controls your reproduction and all your sex steroids. That's the hormone in the hypothalamus that tells the pituitary gland to produce follicle stimulating hormone, which then stimulates estrogen in a female. And in a male, it actually starts spermatogenesis. And then luteinizing hormone, which stimulates ovulation in the female and in the male actually uh, produces testosterone. Okay. So that there's, there's feedback mechanism and that is the basic feedback mechanism for all hypothalamic pituitary and then the lower endocrine gland. 
there's this axis that happens. And it's kind of a negative feedback system. So the, the higher the hormones are, sex hormones are, the lower the stimulating hormones and gonadotropin releasing hormone. So it's constantly reading. The hypothalamus is constantly reading what's happening with your hormones. When you have infertility, there's lots of reasons for infertility. You could have blocked fallopian tubes. You could not, a male not making enough sperm. But I would say, and I used to do a lot of infertility work in my, in my practice. I did women's health for a while and then did couples infertility. Since I've been able to provide my patients with a nutraceutical to balance their hypothalamus, I don't do that infertility work anymore. I don't need to. Wow. Because the majority of people have hypothalamic imbalance that it's dysfunctional. So they're not producing the proper amount of hormones to actually be fertile, to ovulate and produce enough sperm, but they also have inflammation in their organs, their reproductive organs, which interfere with actually the egg and the sperm getting together and implantation occurring, or even being able to carry the pregnancy and having spontaneous miscarriages because you're not producing enough progesterone or you have an inflamed uterine environment. So what I found is by balancing the hypothalamus, we correct those conditions. Okay. So can I ask you about the inflammation you were just talking about? You're saying there's inflammation in the actual organs. So is that from eating an inflammatory diet and being stressed and not getting enough sleep and all of those things? Or is the actual inflammation in the organs due to something else? The inflammation in the organs could be due to a lot of things. It could be due to infections. It could be due to hormonal imbalances. It could be due to a poor diet and toxicity. So it could be due to a lot of things. But if the hypothalamus is balanced, it's going to clear up that inflammation. So the hypothalamus's hmm. main job is to help you survive. Now, until you're healthy, it doesn't make any sense biologically for you to reproduce. So reproduction is a, is a sign. Being able to reproduce with a healthy pregnancy, healthy offspring is a good sign you probably have a pretty functioning hypothalamus, right? Okay. But if you can't reproduce and we've cl we know you don't have you know clogged fallopian tubes and that your partner's making enough sperm, then you most likely have hypothalamic dysfunction. So once they start supporting their hypothalamus nutraceutically, what I find is usually within three to six months, they get pregnant naturally. And if I have a male with low sperm production, I actually have them take it as well. It's for men, women, children, because it improves their access as well, their hypothalamus pituitary testicular access. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's good to know. So I'm curious then, I know low libido can be an issue of this dysregulated hypothalamus. And so I'm assuming for the same reasons as the infertility and the PCOS. Yes. So we'll talk about PCOS separately with that, but the low libido has to do with the dysregulation in the communication network between the hypothalamus pituitary and the gonads actually contribute to not producing enough of the arousal hormones, particularly oxytocin. So the hypothalamus produces your oxytocin. So that's how you bond. It's part of the arousal. So you've got most of what goes on with sex is in your brain, okay? Yes, it's in your genitals, but the arousal aspect of it and even the orgasmic aspect is in your brain. And it's the hypothalamus that's controlling that. So you need to have that good connection. And like I said, if you're not producing all the hormones the hypothalamus should produce, like oxytocin, you're just not going to feel aroused, nor are you going to reach that climax. Interesting. Okay, that's really good to know. I'm sure this is new news to a lot of people because you don't hear about low libido being attached to your hypothalamus. So 
This is good info we're learning. So explain to us then how it's different for PCOS. So PCOS is also hypothalamic dysfunction. And the reason for that is PCOS is more than just infertility and period issues. It's actually a metabolic condition. So insulin resistance is underlying that. And it's the insulin resistance, not just in the periphery body where you're seeing, you know, weight gain, because not all, all PCOS patients have weight gain, but they actually have insulin resistance in their ovaries at what's called the theca cells. And the theca cells are what produces the main steroid, which is actually testosterone first, and then it gets transformed into estradiol. So in PCOS women with this insulin resistance at the theca cell, they produce lots of testosterone, but it never converts over to enough estradiol. And so they have a lot of androgens floating around. And that hyperandrogen issue also increases the amount of adrenal hormones they produce, particularly DHEA, which is more androgens on board, which then causes a lot of the masculinizing effects and makes the peripheral insulin resistance so much worse. It's a metabolic issue, but all the metabolic issues PCOS and also metabolic syndrome, you know, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, obesity, all center in the hypothalamus because it's controlling metabolism and detoxification at the cellular level, thus it's controlling inflammation. I'm really just like mind blown on this podcast. Most podcasts, I know a lot of the information that they're talking about, but I am thinking, why are we not talking about this hypothalamus more with all of these health issues? And I know I asked you that earlier, but I'm thinking, I just talked to people last week with heart issues and we never once talked about the hypothalamus. Well, the reason is, is because in medicine, we can't really do anything about the hypothalamus in terms of looking for the clues that we're used to looking for. Before, you know, long time ago, we spent time with the patient and talked with them right? We had more time with them. But if in a 15 or 20 minute visit, you don't have the time. So you do some blood work, but if you don't know how to read the blood work and you don't do the right type of blood work and you haven't asked the right type of questions, you're not going to be able to come up with this diagnosis. It really takes a medical detective to be able to come up with the diagnosis. And so that's one of the reasons that I've written books about it. And my latest book, The Hypothalamus Handbook, is it's not just for the patient. The whole beginning of the book explains it in a way that you and you know you would be able to understand it. Your your audience would be able to understand it. And then I've got case studies so you can recognize yourself. And they're very in depth, like you know exactly how they would come to me and what they would be complaining of and what I find on their physical and then what blood work I would order and what I see there and what the assessment is and the entire plan. But I also have a section for healthcare providers in there. The way they understand how to do epidemiology and etiology and pathophysiology, so they can go right there with a huge bibliography. But the majority of them that have read my book, they, they go to the case studies too, because they don't know anything about this either. And so, Well, I love that you have a book on this because really I think this should be called the hypothalamus handbook for everyone. Yeah. It's not just if you're sick or if you're a yeah, patient. This really is needed to be known by everybody. But I do want to talk about one other health condition because it's one that I talk about on my account quite often. And it's one that I dealt with years ago. And that's anxiety and depression. And I do know from the research I've done that the hypothalamus does play a part in this, but I would love for you to teach the listeners how this is related. So there's some really good research that looked at people that have um, long-term clinical depression, and they find that their hypothalamus is actually 5% smaller. It's a different size. Now, one of the things that may actually be occurring is that depression 
also has anxiety related to it. You know, it's kind of a kind of a spectrum of whether you're couch potato, depressive, super sad, or you're anxious, you usually have both symptoms. And that's because of the imbalance of the neurochemicals. Now, all of the neurotransmitters are getting their amino acids from the hypothalamus. So the brain's actually producing these neurotransmitters. Remember, it's it's not protected by the blood-brain barrier. So it's getting all the nutrients and then sending it out. The only thing that the brain actually gets directly is glucose. All those other amino acids and fatty acids have to come from the hypothalamus. So it's orchestrating what's needed up in the brain. If you think about anxiety and depression as an upper symptom, it's a brain symptom, but we think about those neurotransmitters not only in your brain, but in your heart and in your gut. From the hypothalamus's point of view, the most important brain you have is not in your head, it's your heart. And then your gut would be number two and your brain would be number three. So if it's toxic, it's dysfunctional, or it's not getting all the amino acids it needs to give the brain what it needs, it's gonna give it to the heart first, keep it beating. And then to the gut so we can get more nutrition and then to the brain. Does that make sense? does. You did a great job explaining that. Thank you. There is actually really good research with anxiety and depression and hypothalamic dysfunction. And majority of people that have hypothalamic dysfunction do have some signs of clinical or what we call subclinical. They wouldn't be a classic depressive, but they definitely have depressed signs or anxious signs. When they start getting balanced out with their hypothalamus, a lot of those symptoms just go away. In fact, that's what seems to go away the first. So before their hypothalamus is really fixed, that neurochemical imbalance, that's what patients and, and customers will say, wow, I'm actually feeling better taking the Genesis Gold in terms of my anxiety, my stress reaction, and my depression. How could it work that fast? Because your heart's now getting what it needs, so now we can give it to the brain. <laughs> that makes sense, though, because I always talk about on my page about nutrition and sleep and exercise and how all of that can affect depression and really help depression. And the missing piece I'm saying is it can help depression because it's helping your hypothalamus. Correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's so amenable to your lifestyle. You can do a lot for yourself and not need any medications if you have hypothalamic dysfunction. There's very few um, conditions of the hypothalamus where you need to be on medication for the rest of your life. It's, it is fixable. It is fixable. Can I tell you a story of my worst patient to give you an example? That would be great. So worst in the sense that she was the sickest. She had the most wrong with her. So she came to me in her early 30s and she was a, a person who had something called panhypopituitarism, which means she made no pituitary hormones which means she made no thyroid hormones, no adrenal hormones, no sex hormones. She was anxious and depressed. She couldn't sleep and she had trouble uh, maintaining her weight because she couldn't maintain her glucose metabolism. So when she came to me, she was on wow. all synthetics and she wanted to switch over to botanical um, bioidentical hormones and she wanted to use more supplements. So I switched her over. She felt great. She was doing fine. She never started her own periods. She didn't make her own hormones. So the only period she would have would be induced by giving her estrogen and progesterone on a cyclic level. So within, I would say about two or three years of working with this patient, I finally have my Genesis Gold manufactured. And I said to her, you know what? We've been doing all the downstream medicine stuff. Let's start working with your hypothalamus and let's see if we can wake up your endocrine glands. We can wake up this access. It's hypothalamic pituitary endocrine gland access. Within 18 months, we had her weaned off everything and she had her own wow. periods. Now at this point, she's in her 
late 30s, early 40s, okay? So I tell her, <laughs> I tell her that she needs to um, use some kind of barrier contraceptive if she doesn't want to get pregnant because she hadn't planned having babies. She says, I've been infertile all my life. That isn't possible. I'm like, well, you're not infertile now. And if you don't want a baby and we need to get you with the diaphragm or cervical cap, you guys need to use condoms. She just laughed at me. At the age of 41, she had a healthy baby boy. Oh, wow. That's exciting and amazing. Well, it's just, it's the idea that if the hypothalamus is truly balanced and you get that pristine reproduction, you're able to carry a healthy pregnancy. So that's it is incredible. possible. It just took a lot of time. That's an amazing story. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Along with all these health issues, though, the depression and the weight gain and libido, all of that. I do have a question. Does the hypothalamus, let's say, worsen as you age? Like, is this a bigger problem for those going through perimenopause or menopause? The symptoms of perimenopause and menopause are hypothalamic dysfunction. It's because your ovaries and your and in a man, andropause, the testes are no longer producing the sex hormones. So that feedback mechanism gets messed up and you start having the heat intolerance and the circadian rhythm issues, sleep issues. You start having a slower metabolism. So it is actually the change of life is an age-related hypothalamic dysfunction, a lowering of function of the hypothalamus. You can maintain it longer if you nutraceutically support your hypothalamus. And also having lived, you know, a healthy lifestyle with that plant-based diet and activity and, you know, and mindset is huge. It really is huge. And sleeping well, you can actually age much more gracefully, but it will slow down the process of aging and if you actually do all those five pillars. Okay. So I was going to say those five pillars along with your Genesis gold is really important for those going through perimenopause and menopause then. It's critical. It's critical. I started taking my Genesis gold when I was um, 39 is when I finally had it manufactured. And my mom went through the change in her late like just past the mid fifties, about 56, 57. My sisters went through the change in their forties. Now we had the same, we had the same upbringing, same Mediterranean diet. I, my last name's Greek, but I'm actually Italian. So we had that Mediterranean diet. We were very active kids. We handle stress pretty much the same. We had super strict bedtimes and things like that. So we had very similar upbringings. I'm the only one who supported my hypothalamus nutraceutically, and I was able to able to put off my menopause until the same time my mom had it, which was 56 to 57. So I know that that was like the missing piece, which just, you know, makes aging a little more graceful and things aren't breaking down as fast. You get those sex hormones a lot longer in your system, which we know now is protective for dementia, protective for metabolic diseases. So the longer you can keep your sex steroids going, but you stress yourself out, you basically... You understand that the adrenal glands use progesterone to produce cortisol. So if you're super right. stressed, you're actually robbing ovarian cortisol or progesterone production to produce cortisol. You're going to go through the change faster. Yeah, let's actually talk about that. So you have your five pillars that we've talked about, but a six pillar, I mean, I should add one in, but it really could be to learn how to manage stress then. Right. Well, and I put that in my healing mindset piece of it. A lot of that is that stress reduction piece. How do we deal with stress? You know, what kind of reactor are we? Can we change the way we react? Are we a glass half full person or a glass half empty? Are we always looking for the other shoe to drop? Are we worry, worrying all the time? So some of that is learned behavior. Uh, most of it is learned behavior. Again, when I find that you're supporting your hypothalamus with all five pillars, the sleep, the diet, the activity, 
the nutraceutical and the stress reduction mindset shifts, okay, what you'll find is that you'll change the way you react to stress. It takes some time because it's a it's a bad habit being a worrier. It's a bad habit assuming the bad the worst is going to happen instead of the best is going to happen. It's a bad habit to focus on your disease instead of on your healing. Well, and we all live in such a stressful world and negativity out there. And so it is hard. So I want to make something clear, though, because you did talk about how stress affects your progesterone due to the cortisol, which we know. But is that the only way it's affecting the hypothalamus or is stress affecting the hypothalamus some other way? So that constant activation of the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis because of stress. So what stresses you out, what stresses me out may be two different things, okay? But the reaction to stress is going to be the same, right? It's all the tigers chasing me. It's fight or flight. So whether it's a late bill, whether it's a spider you're scared of, or an actual tiger is chasing you, you're having that same biochemical reaction. When that's firing constantly, that's not normal. That's not biologically adaptive. You wouldn't be chased by the tiger forever. You'd either get caught or you'd be able to get away, right? So if it's constantly firing, that wears out the hypothalamus. And that's where you see that reduction. It actually atrophies, which is what we see in the depressed patients too. The PTSD people have that same shrunken hypothalamus in the same area as depressed and anxious people. Wow. Okay. So if it's atrophied or if it's smaller through your five pillars, can we grow it or we can just strengthen it? Um, I think you can strengthen it. I think with time and according to how long you've been suffering from these diseases, we would be able to reheal it because we do know that the brain is much more malleable. There's something called neuroplasticity. We used to believe the brain, you couldn't heal the brain, but now we know you can and that with the right ingredients, you know, the sleep, the activity, the, the food, the nutraceuticals, all of those things actually can heal the, heal the brain. The same with the hypothalamus. That's what I believe I was seeing in my panhypopituitary patient. But we, you know, back then when I first, just, you know, created this, this was 20 years ago that I, we had this reaction with her. We didn't even have the ability to look that finely at the hypothalamus. And even now, the MRIs are getting a little bit better that we can actually see some of those changes more in anatomy and somewhat in physiology. We have to sacrifice the lab rat, which means we have to go into the human brain, the human hypothalamus, to see what's going on. We won't do that. So most of the stuff is autopsy reports, you know, and looking at animal studies in order to see what's going on in the hypothalamus. So we got to go by the behaviors. We got to go by the diseases. We got to go by the, the downstream stuff. Are things getting better? So interesting. Yeah, that makes it really hard to come out with clinical studies and research studies and things like that. Okay, so I do have another question. We've got those five pillars. We've talked about stress. What about detoxing and all these things that are out there to help with detoxing? And we know, of course, sweating and exercise helps with detoxing, but can detoxification help support the hypothalamus? Yes and no. So if your hypothalamus is pretty healthy, detoxification is great. If you have an unhealthy hypothalamus, detoxification may make you sicker. Wherever somebody starts, the first thing the hypothalamus does is start a little bit of detoxification, which people will look at as a side effect. They'll start the genesis goal and saying, oh my gosh, I'm, my skin's breaking out. My sweat smells funny. I have a weird taste in my mouth. I'm having loose stools. I'm urinating more often. That's detox. 
say, I'm having headaches. Those mm -hmm. are detox symptoms. And that's, it has to clean house first. But if you don't have a lot of resources for cleaning house per se, and you're not supporting your hypothalamus nutraceutically, and you haven't done the rest of those five pillars, and then you start a detox, you're go you can make yourself very sick. And I've seen that with people, especially if they have neurological and immune conditions, where they do a really intense detox and they, they exacerbate their conditions. I mean, I've actually seen people do a detox, like a heavy metal detox, and go into a schizophrenic um, condition. You know, they probably had the tendency towards it, but now all those toxins got shunted up to their brain because they can't, they're not really able to get rid of them through their liver and kidneys as they should. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. That makes sense. Okay. So then I have a question about diet. We've already talked about diet, but you keep talking about that your Genesis Gold has amino acids in it, but then you keep talking about a plant-based diet because I know that can be an anti-inflammatory diet and obviously... The hypothalamus likes a anti-inflammatory diet. So where does meat come into this for those that enjoy their meat? I tell my patients to eat for their body. Okay. Everybody needs something different. So in the diet that I prescribe in my DMAR nutritional path to healing, when I'm breaking up and saying, okay, for your body, lean body mass, you need, let's say, 80 grams of protein, how are you going to get it? And then I provide you like with a chart. So if you're going to go all vegetarian, here's where you'd get it from. If you're going to go more into mm -hmm. animal products, here's where you're going to get it from. But it's a mix and you got to eat for your body. I was a vegetarian for seven years before I created my Genesis Gold and before I started taking it. Within six weeks of starting to take it, I was craving meat like chocolate. Interesting. And I started eating it and I shifted my diet to more the Mediterranean diet, which is when I say plant-based, the base of the pyramid is plants. The amount of vegetables and fruits and grains and legumes I eat, it's like fills up most of the plate. The protein is the smaller portion. And then there's olive oils on everything, avocados, those monounsaturated fats, nuts and seeds. But the actual animal flesh is the smallest portion of the plate. Yeah, I'm glad I asked you because when you're saying plant-based, I'm thinking, oh, my listeners are probably thinking they need to go do a vegan diet. And so... Yeah, I'm not a big vegan fan because I don't find that very many people do well with a vegan diet in the long run. We're omnivores and I think we need to eat as omnivores, which means mostly we're going to be gathering and mostly from the plant kingdom, okay? But we will be eating some protein. And sometimes you're eating protein, but you know, if we were still hunters and gatherers, the hunters would be bringing back the kill and we would, we would gorge on what they brought back. But for the most part, we're not getting that right. all the time. We're mostly going to be getting all the roots and the grains and the nuts and seeds that we've stored. And that's going to be the basis of our, of our diet. Well, I love your description of plant-based, that it's just the bottom of the pyramid. And I wish we all thought that plant-based meant that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. It does sound like I'm saying vegan, but I'm not. <laughs> That's good to know. You have taught us so much today. And I know my listeners are like, oh my gosh, wow, I've learned so much. But I know they're like, okay, my hypothalamus has problems. Do I go to my doctor and tell them that? Or they're going to look at me and be like, what in the world are you talking about? So for those that might need help supporting their hypothalamus, are there certain tests or anything they can ask their doctors for? Um, well, it's going to be hard for you to go to your doctor who's not amenable to this and say, I need you to check out my hypothalamus because they'll say, I can't do that. So what I did in my hypothalamus handbook is I actually listed all the tests that I normally run and what the normals are for 
both okay. genders, different ages, and also gave the the provider. So I give like my, you know, this is the case studies I'm seeing, but I give my interpretation, but I give the provider like what you're looking at when this is high, when this is low, so they can use that as a guideline. Very few of the providers will be able to be able to diagnose that, but I do have a list. And at the at the end of the book, all my books, I write like a gift page where you go to my website and you can get all my diet, my exercises, my meditations, and these blood lists where you can bring them into your provider and say, this is what I want run kind of a thing. And then from there, they may, they may have some trouble interpreting it, but you could use the handbook to help, help it along or, you know, get them a copy. (laughs) That's so helpful to know though, that you have that for a resource, but you just mentioned something and I want to ask really quick. You said, according to your gender. So I meant to ask this earlier, does a hypothalamus dysregulation affect one gender more than the other or not necessarily? Like, is this something women have to deal with more? It's an animal thing. It's okay. a human thing. We all have hypothalamuses. So it affects children. It affects adults. You know, the hypothalamic um, um, metabolism, its growth, its development. It's, you know, it's fe- in fetal life all the way through death for okay. all genders, not just both, all genders. <laughs> Good to know. I have one other question that I'm curious about because I've had a few guests on who've talked about mitochondria and they're saying that's the upstream. That's the root of cause of all these health issues of the cardiovascular and weight gain and hormonal imbalances. But you're taking it one level above mitochondria, right? So mitochondria are the powerhouses of your cell, right? They produce the energy. What controls their energy production is the hypothalamus. So the hypothalamus is upstream of the mitochondria. The mitochondria is more, I wouldn't call it upstream. I call it at the, at the, the deepest downstream that's ignored. Okay, because it's hard to measure. How do you measure mitochondrial effect? You know, we can do some basal metabolic measurements with some oxygen studies and breath studies, but that's not really amenable for all of us to be able to study that. So the mitochondria and damage to the mitochondria and function of the mitochondria is the end point of hypothalamic dysfunction. Now, it can also Mm. be triggered by toxins and malnutrition, et cetera. But if you're going to heal it, you've got to make sure that the hypothalamus is communicating through the metabolic pathways to get the mitochondria to do their jobs properly. Interesting. Okay. Well, it's really trendy on social media right now to talk about red light and how red light helps the mitochondria. So does red light then help the hypothalamus as well? Well, whenever you're going to increase energy production at the mitochondrial level, that is a positive feedback to the hypothalamus to say the peripheral body's doing well, okay. right? So if I have inflammation, let's say in my knee joint, and I use red light therapy there, and I change mitochondrial effects so that it's cleaning house and it's repairing my cartilage and that inflammation is going on, my hypothalamus doesn't have to worry about this you know, this knee as much. So it's not getting all this inflammatory feedback as what as much as it is. We're actually noticed that red light, there's some, there's some small studies looking at red light and dementia, actually, you know, using it on your head or through your nose where you, you actually trigger the brain. So that's actually really some interesting studies. It was super small, but it improved memory and concentration in people with early dementia. So I definitely think red light has an an amazing effect, not just for anti-aging, but for inflammation as well as, you know, healing properties. And it is working at the cellular level, but we're working one body part at a time. It's kind of like a computer. Our bodies are like the hard drive and all of these programs, the neurological system, immune system, the endocrine system are all of the software programs, right? 
and the energy running the computer, you know, the actual plugging it in and the online access is the mitochondria. But with that and operating systems, nothing works. That's the hypothalamus. So interesting about that. I know my listeners have learned so much today. I know they're going to have so many questions and this has just sparked a new uh, thing that they want to learn about. And so tell them where they can find you and your resources and your book. So if you go to my website, it's genesisgold.com. And on there is a huge amount of blog posts, um, connection to my YouTube channel. I offer you um, a free training called my Hormone Reboot Training, which gives you more education. All my books are listed there. I have more than one. And then the access to the products. There's also um, emails there. So you can contact me or any of my helpers. I have this amazing assistant that can lead you in the right direction of whatever you need. So genesisgold.com. Thank you so much. I'm going to go there and read more about all of this and learn more. I've been intrigued today. Is there anything else that you want to tell people about the hypothalamus before we end? Well, I, I tell my patients and my customers that if you feed the hypothalamus the right ingredients, that it will heal itself It'll and then it will heal you. And the healing is physical, it's mental, emotional, but there's also this aspect of spiritual healing, the energetic healing, you just in better balance. Oh, I love that so much. Okay, well, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're super busy, so thank you. And I always end my podcast episodes by asking my guests what they have found to be the best ingredient in life. What would you say it is? I would say it's my mindset. Having a healthy healing mm -hmm. mindset, having an outlook that you know all is well in the world, being the best coach for my body, has been the key to staying healthy and, and happy and successful. Yeah. If you don't have a mindset that you can heal, then why take the nutraceuticals? Why eat healthier? Why, you know, focus on sleep and why exercise, right? It doesn't work. I mean, we know the placebo effect works. If I tell you this is going to work, it's more likely to work. But if you don't believe it, even though we know studies show this stuff will work, but you don't believe it, it won't work. The mind is really a powerful thing. That is for sure. And like I said earlier, we've got so much negativity in this world and so much stress that we need to make a conscious decision to be more positive and, you know, less stress in life. Yes, absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. We have learned so much and I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus, get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram.